All right, take your Bible. Go to Isaiah chapter 9. Last week we did kind of an, an overview of verses 2 through 7. And this week we're going to begin dialing in specifically to verses 6 and 7. Um, and one phrase, really, this morning that, that we're going to focus in on um, more, than, more than the rest, and that is that the government will be upon his shoulders. You know, government's a hot topic right now. Um, in fact, you can, if you want to really get into a fight with somebody, just bring up the government's response to, well, anything in the last um, year or so. Uh, and so maybe in, in this year, you can relate to this story uh, from a couple in Glendora, California, several years ago, during a severe drought, they got mixed messages from two levels of government. Maybe we can understand with mixed messages from, from government. For this particular couple, the city threatened to fine them $500 if they didn't begin watering their lawn whereas the state threatened to fine residents up to $500 for wasting water on outdoor use. So I guess you could say they were fined if they do, fined if they don't, right? You, uh, you, so what, what do you do? What, what do you do when, you, when, when we deal with frustrations from government? Well, we, we know, as we've talked many times this year, as believers, we are called to submit to governing authorities that God has placed over us. We're called to submit uh, to those as shadows of the ultimate kingdom, the ultimate government that will come under Christ's rule as king. And so in Isaiah 9, one of the many things that we're told is that the government will be upon his shoulders. And this morning we're going to look at what his perfect government, his perfect rule will look like when it is finally and completely established. So if you will stand as we read the word of the Lord this morning, we'll Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7 this morning. The word of the Lord says this, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together and to open up your word and to see this morning what it looks like for Christ's government, for his rule to be established. The promise that it will never end. And so especially this, this year, as we continue walking through so much uncertainty and so much frustration that we've experienced in, in this year, we remind us that all these things are temporary. And Christ's rule is eternal. We can find rest and comfort in that. We ask all these things in his mighty name. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. 
So really, simply this morning, what we're going to look at are three things uh, that we learn in this passage about this government that will be upon his shoulders, about this reign of Christ. Now, let, let me remind you that uh, in, as, as followers of God would have heard these words 700 years before Christ was born, and even as uh, around after the birth of Christ, as, as words started getting out that, hey, the Messiah just might be here, many Jews, in fact, I, I would even argue most Jews, were expecting that this reign would be established the first time the Messiah was here. In fact, several times throughout the, the Gospels, we read that the people tried to take Jesus, it says, by force and make him king. But, we're told, his time had not yet come, and he eluded their grasp. We even see the disciples confusing this and, and not, not grasping Jesus' mission the first time that he came, which was to inaugurate the kingdom of God, but ultimately to reconcile us to Almighty God. And instead, the, the disciples thought that eventually Jesus would make his way to Jerusalem, kick Herod out, tell the Roman government to get lost and reestablish Israel as God's people and the kingdom of Israel on earth. And, and the 12 disciples expected that they would be uh, insiders in that kingdom. That, that they would be Jesus' right-hand men as he began ruling on the earth. And we see multiple times Jesus correcting their understanding of what it meant to, what, what, what it meant for him to be the Messiah and what his mission was the first time that he came. So the first time was his mission was to reconcile us to God. And yet we can, we can also look at that and say the kingdom of God was inaugurated. And as I said last week, now we await for its arrival. Maybe the best way that I can illustrate that is to say that uh, the package has been purchased and now we wait for Amazon to drop it off at the doorfront. Okay? We purchased it. It's been purchased. It, it is a reality. It is ours. It is. Now we await for its realization. So this morning, we're going to look primarily ahead at what's called the second advent, the second coming of Jesus Christ when he, when he will establish his ultimate rule and what we know about that kingdom. And hopefully, as we continue to... Um, look at the chaos that is government here in our own nation at the moment, um, well, we'll, we'll be comforted by the fact that no matter what happens in this life, no matter what happens with our current government, no matter what happens on any nation, the kingdom of God is assured. The kingdom of God is promised, and it will come. The first thing that we see about the, the reign, about Jesus' kingdom, we see that his rule will be peaceful. His rule will be peaceful. In uh, chapter 6, or excuse me, verse 6, uh, it says, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. 
He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Now, we're going to break into that in a couple of weeks and, and look at exactly what it means that he is the Prince of Peace and what that means in our lives. Um, but this morning, we, we simply see that this ruler will be known as the Prince of Peace. And then when we get on down to, to verse, se- verse 7, in the Christian Standard Bible, it says the dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. Now, if you switch over to the ESV, the, the English Standard Version, it's, that, that version translates Isaiah 9-7 as this, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Of his government and of peace, there will be no end. It's difficult for us to imagine a governmental system, a nation, where peace will never end. Seems like we've seen peace disrupted uh, on multiple fronts this year, whether that's through uh, COVID and, and the crisis that that's created, whether it's through uh, the racial tensions that we've seen flare up in various places around the country, economic concerns, political um, unrest. We, we've seen, I would, I would argue in 2020, uh, this, this year has been characterized by, by a lack of peace in, in our nation as a whole and really around the world. And, and yet, in Christ's kingdom, we're promised that peace will never end. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Isaiah 26, 12, there the prophet also writes, Lord, you will establish peace for us, for you have also done all our work for us. So there the the idea is almost of of a peace that comes at the end of the day. The work is done. The job is complete. It is finished, to use another biblical term, and now peace and rest can come. As I said, we're going to break that down a little bit in, uh, in a couple of weeks of what it means that, that Jesus is the uh, eternal Father and the Prince of Peace. But just know the Bible tells us that, that Jesus' kingdom, this government will be upon his shoulders. It will never end and it will be peaceful. We're also told that his rule will be prosperous. If we switch back to the Christian Standard Bible, verse 7 says the dominion will be vast, His government will be vast, will be large, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forevermore. Its prosperity will never end. Now, this is the same word that's translated peace in the ESV. The the Christian Standard Bible translates it as prosperity. And, and the Hebrew word, I think you've heard me say this before, 
English is a poor vehicle to um, translate meanings from Hebrew and Greek. All right? English is, is for, for all its gloriousness and for uh, as, as much as we love the English language, it, it, it is inadequate in some ways to, tr- to convey the meaning behind so many of these words. Because the, the Hebrew word that is translated peace in the ESV and here prosperity in the CSB, it, it really carries the idea of completeness, of wholeness. Now, I, I would say, I think we would argue that completeness would include peace, right? For, for something to be whole and complete, it is probably peaceful. It would include some prosperity. And even then, we have to be careful. Because we don't want to get the wrong idea about what prosperity is. Now, dictionary.com, that wealth of all knowledge, defines prosperity as this, a successful, flourishing, or thriving condition, especially in financial respects. Good fortune. Now, we're not so much concerned here with the financial aspect of it. Certainly, the finances and material things can um, be a part of prosperity. But here, we're more concerned with the idea of flourishing. See, while we would probably normally associate prosperity with financial or material wealth, the biblical idea of prosperity goes well beyond that. It's not just having a lot of stuff. It is a flourishing. It's a completeness. It's a wholeness. It's a restoring of what was broken in the fall. Now, we know, and and this year has reminded us, that material prosperity is a fickle thing. Money can disappear about as quickly as it appears, right? Maybe you have that feeling every payday. Money comes into your account, and then immediately it goes out of the account. And sometimes you might wonder, where did it go? What, What happened to this money? Stuff is fleeting, right? We've all had that experience on Christmas morning where something that we've been wanting ourselves or something that we bought for our kids and we're so excited about works for about five minutes and then something breaks. As we saw, even money that has been invested and is secure can, in a matter of days, be revealed for how insecure it really was. Many, many of us feared that that was going to happen back in March and April as you watched maybe retirement accounts just go the wrong way. And so when we talk about this prosperity in the kingdom of God, we're, we're not saying it's based on material things. Rather, we're saying it is a, it's a wholeness, it's a flourishing that comes from the restoration of perfect peace between God and mankind. And also in relationships from person to person. 
this ties back to the peace. There is no longer separation from God. Even as followers of Christ who've been reconciled to God, we still wrestle with sin, right? We still live, we, we experience this reconciliation with God, but we experience here on earth in an incomplete way. We still wrestle with sins. Those can still affect our spiritual lives. There are still things that can creep in that can cause issues in our relationships, in our relationship with God. There are certainly things that can creep in and create and, and disturb relationships between people. And yet here we have this promise that that is temporary. When the kingdom of God is fully realized, all that separation, all that tension goes away. And instead, we will experience flourishing. We will experience perfect peace. We'll experience a completeness. So his rule will be peaceful. His rule will be prosperous. And finally, his rule will be perpetual. In verse 7, he will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. Now, I've, I've lived um, long enough that, that I've seen some um, good leaders in government. I've seen some... Um, Less good leaders in government, if we'll, if we'll put it that way. But you know, there's not a leader that I've seen on earth with, about whom I've thought, you know, it would be awesome if this person was just there forever. Like, wouldn't it be great if they, just, if they like never went away, if we never had another election? Wouldn't it be great if they're there forever? No. We, here in the United States, we, we go through this process every four years, right, of deciding if we like the person in office or not. We get to go give our opinion, cast our vote for that. And maybe especially in the, in the tensions that we're seeing right now, uh, it's important to note that we'll never have to see Jesus concede his throne. We won't have to wait for elections to be certified by a heavenly electoral college. We won't have to wait to, to see uh, Fox News or CNN break in the news of whether or not Jesus is, has been declared king. No. His rule is complete and it's eternal. For instance, listen to these words from uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. It says, Your throne, God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. This is why God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy beyond your companions. All right, what we see here, actually quoting from Psalm 45, verses 6 and 7, that God's throne is forever and ever. His kingdom, it says, is a scepter of justice. It will always be just. Then in Revelation 19, we, we see these words. And these will be familiar to you as well as we're given a picture of this eternal, perpetual reign 
of Jesus Christ. It says, Then I saw heaven opened, and there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True, and with justice he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a fiery flame, and many crowns were on his head. He had a name written that no one knows except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses, wearing pure white linen. A sharp sword came from his mouth so that he might strike the nations with it. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God the Almighty. See, we have here a conquering king, one who will come and firmly establish his rule. who will never step down. I just read, uh, last night I finished a biography on George Washington. Uh, Certainly a a fascinating figure in in history and uh, one of the most important figures in our nation's history. And as great a leader as he was during the Revolutionary War, as great a leader as he was as our first president, there came a time when even the great George Washington said, it's time for me to go. It's time for me to step aside. I've done all that I can do. And yet we see that for King Jesus, there will never come a time where he says, I'm done. My rule is over. I've done as much good as I can. No, his reign will be forever. In fact, in Revelation 19, verse 16, the end of the passage that we just read, it says this, and he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's not just a phrase that is sung in the Hallelujah Chorus. That's a title that's given to Jesus in the book of Revelation. He is the one who reigns as king of those who are kings, and he is the Lord of those who are lords. And we see here that on that last day when Jesus returns, when the kingdom of God is firmly established on earth, we are given this promise in Philippians chapter 2. Paul writes this, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here's, I'll I'll, I'll close with this this morning. Make no mistake about it. You will bow down and worship Jesus as Lord of all. Every one of us, all of us in this room, everybody watching online, everybody listening on the radio, you will bow down and worship Jesus as Lord of all. You have the opportunity to do it now, to worship Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Ask him to be your Savior and your Lord and experience the restoration with God and salvation and forgiveness of sins that comes along with that, or... You can reject him in this life. And wait until that great judgment day 
when the Bible declares that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. And on that day, here, depart from me, for I never knew you. See, the question is not whether we will submit to the rule of Christ. The question is whether or not we will submit to Christ now, leading to eternal life, or wait and submit to him on that day, leading to eternal separation from him. But regardless, the government will be on his shoulders. His reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forevermore is reality. So for this peaceful, for this prosperous, for this perpetual reign, we look forward. And I would call on you today, repent of sins, trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Make Him Lord of your life. You can begin to experience something of these realities right now, knowing that one day it will be fully realized. If you're here, you're watching us online, and you've never trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can do that right now. Just by, by praying something like this, God, I am a sinner, and I want to be forgiven. I believe Jesus Christ, your Son, died for my sins and is alive right now. I turn away from my sin, and I now confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and receive him into my life. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to control my life, and I thank you for giving me eternal life. If you just prayed that prayer and you're watching us online, let us know. You can text us at 575-446-3663. You can call that number and leave a voicemail. I'd love to get back in touch with you and let you know what it looks like to follow Jesus. If you're listening to us on the radio, you can go to our website, fbcalamo.com. Look for the Contact Us tab and and fill that out. I'd love to, to visit with you. If you're here in the room with us, you've never trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, I'd love to visit with you as we stand and sing in just a few moments how you can do that. I pray you're comforted this morning by the reality that Jesus is on his throne. His rule will never end. And while we wait for that to be fully realized, we have it as a guarantee. We're waiting to see it come to fruition, but it is on its way. And it's coming. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for the chance to gather together and to open up your word. Pray that you would call each of us to submit to your kingdom. We would have the peace knowing that you are in charge, that your kingdom is peaceful, it's prosperous, it's complete. And only in you can we truly flourish as people. And that it is eternal. It will never end. It will never be overthrown. It will never be called into question. I pray we as people would long for that day when everything is set right. Where diseases and 
political tensions and racial tensions are all done away with. When death is put to death once for all. In the meantime, will you help us to be agents of reconciliation, proclaiming the truth of the gospel, and living in such a way that declares to a watching and waiting world that our hope is in Christ Jesus alone. No matter what else happens in this life, we trust in you. Thank you so much for who you are and for what you've done for us in sending Christ Jesus to the earth. We ask all these things in his precious name. Amen.